Okay. Hi, I'm Kayla Caldwell, and I this is High Crime, finally. It's been forever. And I have a returning guest co-host today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, this is Michaela Ost here with <laughs> the wonderful Miss Kayla. <laughs> and she was on the podcast last talking about the real inspiration for Hannibal Lecter, which was pretty fun. Yeah. This is another one. The This one is another, you know, big one. I've wanted to do it for a while. And I don't know. I figured since I haven't done anything in so long, I may as well start with a good one. So, well, first of all, how are you? Welcome back to LA. Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. Happy to be back in my own bed and <laughs> room. <laughs> yes. Quarantine has been, I mean. something. I saw a tweet earlier that was just like, obviously like a joking one that was just kind of like, like it wasn't full words. It was like very teen abbreviations, but it was just like, hey, when is this going to be over? (laughs) I was like, same. (laughs) Such a vibe right now, honestly. So I could talk about why I haven't recorded in so long and everything is horrible right now, but I'm just going to jump right into it instead. Uh, So I'm just going to tell you that I got a lot of this info from All That's Interesting, Reddit, Wikipedia, other podcasts. I'll link, I'll put everything in the like description. But 21-year-old Canadian college student and blogger tourist uh, Elisa Lamb was last seen alive at the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles on January 31st, 2013. Now, do you know who she is? I don't. Oh, yay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, she's kind this case is like really big in true crime in the sense that it's not technically solved and uh there's like a supernatural weird element also um well so okay there are two main reasons that i think people like to talk about this case so much one is elisa was last seen at the cecil hotel And the Cecil Hotel is what the Hotel Cortez was inspired by for the hotel season of American Horror Story, which is my one of my least favorite seasons, but that's not really relevant. Um, The Cecil is really interesting. I'll tell you in about a minute, well, probably like 30 seconds, why the Cecil is so interesting. It's rumored to be haunted. I believe that it makes sense (laughs) after I tell you everything I will. And the other reason is that when it was realized that Elisa Lamb was missing, the police released footage from her time at the hotel. And the only footage they had of her there was of her in an elevator. And it's about four minutes of just the most bizarre footage. I mean, ha- one, the, one of the main reasons this case is so big, especially like if you look at Reddit, there's so many forums on it. Mm-hmm. is because of this footage. Be- and I'll go into more reasons okay. why, but it's – and I'll send the link to you so you can watch some of it because I want to see, you know, how you react. But first, let's talk about the history of this cursed hotel. All right. Uh, so the Cecil opened its doors in 1927. There have been at least 16 murders, suicides, oh. and other unexplained paranormal what? events. Yeah. Um, I won't be staying there anytime. Yes. Soon. Well, luckily you can't because right now it's kind of like I think they have some kind of long term tenants, but it's not really a hotel anymore. It's more like 
Well, it, I know it, I'll go into this later too, but it was supposed to be kind of like low income housing and then someone bought it and it's a whole thing. But initially it was supposed to be a hotel for businessmen. It was supposed to be really ritzy and classy. A million dollars went into building this 700 room hotel that ha- and of course this was the 20s so a million dollars was even more and it featured a marble lobby stained glass windows palm trees an opulent staircase it actually seems like it was this kind of like beautiful i mean if you watch the season of american horror story it's not filmed there they wouldn't let them but yeah it's really beautiful well or at least you can tell that it would have been in its heyday you know yeah yeah But unfortunately, what happened is that two years after this grand opulent hotel opened, the Great Depression hit and the entire area around the hotel would come to be known as Skid Row. So you're not really thinking opulence, you know, when you're in the like this, the, the hotel is located like if you've ever been a tourist in L.A., it's. You do the, like, walk of fame. You see all the stars and, like, by the W Hotel is Ellen and I think Reese Witherspoon. And then you keep walking. The Cecil is when you just keep walking. You just keep going and going and going away from the touristy spots. And then you can tell, you know, it's less less visited, less cleanly. There's a lot of homeless, which, I mean, that's a whole other issue that, you know, yeah. the government doesn't want to help homeless people. But so, yeah, it, it kind of – Almost immediately, the plan, you know, was foiled. In the 1930s alone, there were at least six reported suicides. Oh, my. People ingested poison, shot themselves, slit their own throats, or jumped out of windows. Yeah, it's like the history of the Cecil is like really rough. Uh, One man jumped from the Cecil and landed on the skylight of a neighboring building. That's a horrifying discovery. What? Yeah. He's not the only one that landed here. Oh, just wait. This one. In September 1944, a 19-year-old named Dorothy Jean Purcell woke up in the middle of the night with stomach pains while she was staying at the hotel with Ben Levine, a 30-year-old man. Pause for how fucking gross that is. Why are you there with a 19-year-old, you creep? I'm got an answer for you. <laughs> uh, she didn't want just to disturb him, so she went into the bathroom where she delivered a baby boy. Oh, she didn't okay. even know that she was pregnant. Oh, lovely. So she thought that supposedly she thought the baby was dead, so she tossed it out of the bathroom window. What? Yeah. It landed on the roof of the building next door, and she was found not guilty of murder by reason of insanity and was later admitted to a psychiatric hospital. I mean, there's just so much to unpack there. I don't even know where. Oh, yeah. And the sad thing is I'm not done yet. Oh, God. In 1962, a 65-year-old man named George Giannini was walking by the Cecil when he was struck to death by a falling woman. Okay, like I don't, I don't have any words. Like I mean, now you can go on Yelp, and this place would never survive because everyone yeah. would be like, "Do not stay there." But there still had to be a rumor mill. Like no one was talking around town about how everyone was dying. Oh no, you're just one step ahead of me. After this, the hotel gained notoriety as the most haunted hotel in Los Angeles. Wow, that's so creepy. I mean. 
I feel like there's haunted and then there's like possessed. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like there's some, some like this like, is like shining level. Like there isn't like a ghost walking around. There's some kind of entity that is like trying to just destroy. Yeah. There's like, you know, staying at something. And I mean, maybe not me, but <laughs> something that's, you know, a little haunted or creepy for like a fun time. And then there's like worrying to sleep at night. Yeah. I would not want to, even if I could. And I do like the idea of like being somewhere when you're talking. For example, like, morbid podcast in an episode about Lizzie Borden from the Borden house. I think that's really cool. Would I stay at the hotel uh, Cecil? No, I would not. Good choice. Good choice. No. (laughs) But yeah, so Pauline Otten was 27. She jumped from the ninth floor window after an argument with her husband, Dewey and her fall killed both herself and Giannini instantly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What are the fucking odds? Now, in the 80s, uh, Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker, who killed 13 people, lived in a room at the top floor of the Cecil Hotel during his murder spree. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. After killing someone, Ramirez would throw his bloody clothes in the hotel's dumpster and then walk back inside completely naked or just in his underwear. And no one, no one was phased by this. No, and that's the worst part. Journalist Josh Dean wrote, none of which would have raised an eyebrow since the Cecil in the 1980s was unmitigated chaos. Unmitigated chaos? Yeah. Okay, cool. In 1991, Australian serial killer Jack Unterweger stayed at the hotel while he was reporting on the deaths of local sex workers for an Aust- or no, sorry, not that he's not Australian. He was Austrian, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So that was a weird autocorrect. Um, but so he was he was a writer for a magazine. Um, he came to report on it, talked to the police about it, didn't mention that he was the one killing these missing sex workers. So yes, that is the second serial killer who stayed at the Cecil while they were killing. I mean, just like I can't even. Also, the <laughs> fact that the first guy, what, was just walking downstairs in blood yep. clothes because he's walking back in naked. Mm-hmm. I mean, a guy walking in in his underwear, okay, weird. Maybe doesn't bat an eye because, I don't know, people do crazy things. But walking out in blood and walking back in with no clothes on multiple times? Mm-hmm. Although I will say that during the summer when it was particularly hot, I was walking my dog one day and a man walked by on like the main – well, so okay, he walked by – it wasn't like the main street, but it was one street off of the main street. So it was still a pretty busy road. And he walked by and he was completely naked, like dick out and everything. I was – it was the – and I like – and Daisy is like the slowest meander when I take her for a walk. She likes to sniff everything. So like we were by a tree, which was good because she usually loves to like smell every part of the roots or whatever. But I like kind of kept pulling her back because I was like, let's not move. Li-. Like I don't want to be – I don't want him to have to walk by me. I don't know what state of mind he's in um, because you have to assume that maybe something's going on because he was, yes, just in public. He was not a care in the world. Just absolutely naked, not a stitch of clothing on. Did he say anything to you? No. 
Um, but that was, yeah, that was very strange. Okay. I'm still not done. So Elizabeth short known as the black Dahlia reportedly stayed at the Cecil shortly before her death. This was one of the last places she was, she was said to have been seen. And that's another famous unsolved case. Although I feel like true crime people, I feel like we all kind of think it's that, uh, Oh God, I'm not going to remember his name now. But there was a show about it with Chris Pine and the guy that they think that was a suspect, he, uh, his son like found old photographs, old journals. And like he had all the, he wrote a book. There's like all these reasons he thinks his dad did. Oh, I think uh, George Hodel, I think is the name, but whatever. But that's beside the point. That's a whole other episode. (laughs) Um, The still also still unsolved murder of Goldie Osgood, the pigeon lady of Pershing Square, also occurred at the Cecil. And the last body to be found at the hotel was reportedly a suicide in 2015. Oh, wow. That's very sad. Yeah. In 2011, the Cecil attempted to rebrand as the Stay on Main Hotel and Hostel. And there have been like a lot of court battles because like because the hotel's so old, there's certain I don't want to say it's a landmark, so I don't know if that's totally true, but like for example, when they rebranded a stay on Main, they weren't allowed to remove the old signs that said Hotel Cecil. So like even when they try to change their name, the evidence yeah. of its dark history is still there. I mean, honestly, with that type of bad juju, you can't escape that anyway. No, like, you, you just got it's like the John Wayne difference. Yeah, it's like the John Wayne Gacy house. Like, you just got to, like, knock that shit to the ground and start over. Scorched earth policy on this one. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah, so there have been a lot of court battles because it's supposed to be preserved because some of it is, like, affordable housing for locals, long-term hotel stays for for the, you know, less fortunate. But in New – not in New York. There was – News, the last news of what they're doing with the Cecil was that a big New York developer wanted to gut the building and do a $100 million renovation to turn it into a boutique boutique hotel and micro rental units, um, which I'm sure a lot of locals will be upset about because of the affordable housing. But then others, you know, who care more about the image will be probably relieved. I don't know. Like you said, I don't really think there's any escaping the dark history of this building. No way. Okay. So back to the footage. So the LAPD released footage from the Cecil Hotel's website after, or from their like cameras after Lisa went missing. You, I mean, from knowing me or listening to this podcast, like, you know, I love horror movies and true crime. So like, I've seen a lot of weird shit, but this video is still like, gives me the chills um and in a little bit i will send you the link to watch it (laughs) but first okay elisa lamb arrived in los angeles on january 26 2013 by amtrak train from san diego she was headed after this to santa cruz because she was doing a solo west coast trip before returning home to her studies at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada, which is also where she was from. Okay. She was initially assigned a shared room because remember that at this point it was like 
hotel and hostel. So she was in a shared room on the fifth floor, but her roommates complained and a lawyer for the hotel later described uh, the complaint as certain odd behavior. And after two days, Elisa was put in her own room. So a lot of people think that is evidence that that is an explanation kind of that she was dealing with mental health issues. We'll get into this a lot more, but um, it seems like maybe a little indication. But then the people who believe in the supernatural, it's not relevant, you know, whatever. Yeah. Alisa was into fashion. She had a Tumblr where she would post photos, share posts. Uh, sometimes she'd share her, like little things about her own life, but it was more more like an evergreen uh, kind of fashion-y Tumblr. And it, people use this to kind of, you know, play on the supernatural thing because posts kept appearing after her death. But there's also lots of settings on Tumblr where if you, you know, like, for example, she knew she was on vacation. So if she was really dedicated, maybe she set a bunch of things to post in advance. Yeah, makes sense. She was very close with her parents, and they were worried about her traveling alone. So in order to appease them, Elisa would call them every day of her trip, like the entire time, at least a phone call a day, so that they would always know that she is safe. So that's why when January 31st came and went with no call from Elisa, her parents knew something was wrong. She was also supposed to check out of the Cecil that day. Her parents called the Los Angeles police who, let's be real, they're known for either not giving a fuck or being, you know, or actively working against justice. Um, They said they checked the Cecil, but they couldn't find her. Although I will say just to be fair on this case, because this Cecil was this weird arrangement of like hotel rooms, but then also kind of apartments, they couldn't just go in and check every room. They would need probable cause for every one of those individual apartments, and they didn't have enough evidence that something foul play had happened to be able to kind of bust into every room. So they didn't do the most thorough check, but it also wasn't necessarily their fault. Yeah. Okay, now we're back to the footage. So the thing about this footage is they only had, they only seem to have footage of her from one of the hotel's elevators. So nothing in the lobby or anywhere else. So it's just like a weird location to begin with. And the the camera is in the elevator. So you can see what's going on in the elevator and like directly outside. But because of the way it's set up, the hallway goes um it's like more perpendicular you know so like if you're looking out from the elevator all you're seeing is the wall directly outside of the elevator if that makes sense yeah Yeah, so you can't see so if there was someone else involved the camera wouldn't catch them so that kind of gives a lot of credence to the whole like the to, to leave room for speculation that maybe someone was chasing her or maybe there was like some kind of ghostly thing involved and it just wasn't caught on camera she pokes her head out of oh wait i oh okay So in the footage, you know, it's really pixelated. You can't really see the timestamp. You can, Elisa is seen stepping into the elevator, pushing all of the buttons. (laughs) My God, I wrote in my notes. Think that scene in Elf, but nothing is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She steps in and out of the elevator. Uh, It actually kind of makes you wonder. Well, I mean, I guess maybe she was hitting the like door open because the door stays open for a really long time. But she just is like it, – it really looks like she's interacting with someone because she's like kind of peeking out or running back in, hiding on the corner. But 
yeah, you can't really, the problem with this footage is there's nothing that you can deduce like with conviction from the video, but it just spurred so, so many theories because it's so strange. And finally, after talking about it, I'm going to send you the link. It's four minutes. You do not have to watch the whole four minutes, but just like maybe the first 30 seconds or something to kind of get an idea. Okay. I'm watching. (laughs) She almost looks like half awake, even standing there in the elevator. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, nope. Don't like that. Don't like that. (laughs) Okay. What the hell? Right? It's very strange. Yeah. Okay, we can turn it off. You don't have to freak yourself out anymore. I watched 40 seconds. Okay. But But see, that shows you. You heard her reaction. She watched 40 seconds. It's a four-minute video. I mean, this video captivated people. It's super weird. It's sad because, like I said, you can't take any valuable meaning from it. But you also – everybody was watching this, like, knowing she was missing and was trying desperately to get meaning from it. So this, like, you know, little four-minute video has tens of millions of views. So – it was a big instigator in lots of theories. Very One of the most polarizing theories for the elevator video is that Elisa was playing a Korean supernatural game called The Elevator Game. Now, buckle up because I'm going to tell you all about this. And I was just like typing out the rules. I was just like so freaked out, like sitting in kind of a very poorly lit room by myself. <laughs> Um, And I don't even have an elevator in here. So, (laughs) okay. So the only two requirements for this game are that it requires one player and it has to take place in a building that is at least 10 stories high. Oh, sorry. Three things. And of course, there has to be an elevator. Okay. So here are the very creepy instructions. And I might just... Yeah, just stop me if there's anything you feel like you want to talk about. They're very strange. So, okay. Enter your chosen building and get into the elevator on the first floor alone. Do not proceed if anyone else is in the elevator with you. Already I'm out because you know that I have to walk through a haunted house clinging to someone else. (laughs) I think we've experienced it. Also, (laughs) we have. And I am pretty sure you pulled me through one area of that insidious house and – You don't even like this stuff. So that shows how I would not do well in this scenario. (laughs) Also, I just don't think I would trust my choices. Like, I'm going to keep reading these rules to you. I would absolutely get mixed up and do the wrong thing. Hands down. Okay. Press the button for the fourth floor. When the elevator reaches the fourth floor, do not get out. Instead, remain in the elevator and press the button for the second floor. When you reach the second floor, remain in the elevator and press the button for the sixth floor. When you reach that floor, remain in the elevator and press the button for the second floor. When you reach the second floor, remain in the elevator and press the button for the tenth floor. When you reach the tenth floor, remain in the elevator and press the button for the fifth floor. Here's where it gets interesting. When you reach the fifth floor, a young woman may enter the elevator. Do not look at her. Do not speak to her. She is not what she seems. What? 
<laughs> yeah, no thank you. Big no thanks. Then you press the button for the first floor. If the elevator begins ascending to the 10th floor instead of going to the first, you may proceed. If the elevator descends to the first floor, exit as soon as the doors open. Do not look back. Do not nope. speak. No. Nope. So I think that means that you did something wrong and this is your chance to get out. But if you kind of like, what is that? I'm not going to be able to remember now. But there's some like Greek or Roman myth of the, you know, you look back. Like you can save her, but don't look back. And of course he looks back and everything gets ruined. Whatever. Yeah, I butchered that. Back. I don't know. <laughs> I knew I did something wrong and that some curse was upon me and I had to wait for elevator doors to open. I would have an anxiety attack on the floor. Yep. And also, do we think that she was looking for the girl on the fifth floor? So That's the thing. People say people say that she may have been playing this and that might explain her bizarre behavior and maybe why she thought, because there's more to it um, that I'll get into, but you'll see that uh, there's reason to like be nervous about. Um, so, okay. If you reach the 10th floor, you may either choose to get off the elevator or stay on it, which, I mean, those are always your choices. Um, if, (laughs) if you choose to get off and if the woman had entered on the fifth floor she will ask you where are you going do not answer her do not look at her i mean that just how do you not look at someone who talks to you i would instinctively look and then i'd be done how do you not look at someone who's in an elevator with you yeah that's a small space like it's not from the video you see that's not a big elevator Okay, you will know whether you have arrived at the other world by one indication and one indication only. The only person present is you. Um, Why? Nope. I don't want that. Nope. I mean, quarantine enough has shown that I don't like to be alone with my thoughts. Exactly. <laughs> we're pressing all these freaking elevator buttons and writing with like a demon girl i'm gonna exactly no for me dog like yes no absolutely not now if you choose to stay on the elevator at the 10th floor you must press the button for the first floor oh sorry if you like if you choose to stay on the elevator you don't want to go into the other world um you have to press the button for the first floor if it doesn't work you have to just keep pressing it until it finally does. So pretty much what everyone does when the door doesn't immediately close. No, 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 no. Then when the elevator reaches the first floor, you have to exit as soon as the doors open. Do not look back. Do not speak. I can't. Could you imagine being in the elevator with this like woman who you speak or talk to and you're pressing the button for the first floor and nothing is happening. No, oh no. my god, what a nightmare! That's like the scene in the horror movie where you're like, "Oh shit, maybe is she, maybe she is gonna die." Yep. No. no. <laughs> okay. Now, if you choose to exit the elevator on the tenth floor, I wrote, "You are far braver than I." <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Beyond Thank that, you. you must use the same elevator that you arrived in in order to leave, which <laughs> could be a problem if, like, you. You know, like, for example, when I went into an office, um, 
there were like six elevators and I would always get turned around by which way I was coming, which side I was coming off. So like if you did it in that building, like that would be really hard to know which elevator to get into, but it has to be the same one. So when you enter that elevator, press the buttons in the same order that you did in steps two through eight. And I said, that alone is a guarantee that I wouldn't survive this because I'm the one telling the story and I have already forgotten all of those steps. So <laughs> I don't know how you're, you're supposed to remember the – because it's so much back and forth. Yeah, it's like four, two, five, two, ten, one. Don't get out on one. Go back to ten. <laughs> down, it's too much. Somewhere. It's too much. So whatever. All of that should land you back on the fifth floor. So when you reach the fifth floor, you press the button for the first floor. The elevator will begin to ascend to the 10th floor, same as it did the first time, but you must press the button to cancel the ascension before you reach the 10th floor. So like press literally any other floor's button. You have to make sure that son of a bitch doesn't go back to 10. How terrifying is that moment? Nope. After you reach the first floor, check your surroundings carefully. If anything seems off, even the smallest detail, do not exit the elevator. If you detect something is wrong, repeat step two until your surroundings look as they should. Once you are confident that you have returned to your own world, you may safely exit the elevator. So I know I'm a writer, but I'm still not observant enough to be able to know that nothing was different. Who would play this game? Right? (laughs) Okay, there's more, unfortunately. Um, These aren't rules necessarily, but just important notes. Should you reach the other world, the floor onto which you emerge will look almost identical to the one from your own world, save for two things. All of the lights will be off, And the only thing you will be able to see from the windows is a red cross in the distance. No. (laughs) No, thank you. Some say that electronic devices don't work in the other world. Some say they do. Um, I just watched Silent Hill and they didn't work there. But I actually don't know why that applies because it's not an elevator game. But it is another world. I don't know. That was basically pointless. Um, But then the... uh, Getting back to your own world may be more difficult than it seems. You may become disoriented and forget which elevator you arrived in. I absolutely would. Yeah, everyone. (laughs) The elevator may seem to get further and further away from you as you walk on. So very just like shining vibes. Uh, They said, be vigilant. And they said, if at any point... During the ritual, you faint, pass out, or otherwise lose consciousness, you will likely wake up in your own home. However, be sure to carefully examine your surroundings upon waking. The quote-unquote home to which you have been returned may not be the one you left behind. Yeah. (laughs) Which that actually feels very much like the uh, Channel Zero No End House show which I think I've mentioned. Oh, I definitely have mentioned on the show before because I think we read the No End House creepypasta, but that's kind of similar vibes. And then it warns again to not speak to the woman from the fifth floor. Do not look at her. 
it sounds very dangerous to interact with her. And it kind of sounds a lot like um, if anyone has been listening to the left right game, which just got picked up as a show, it was a podcast. It sounds kind of like the hitchhiker in the left right game where like you cannot interact with this person at all, even though they might, even though they almost certainly will try to interact with you, you have to ignore it. And then it also says she may decide to keep you for her own. Yeah. Um, So as you were saying, this is a game that it's kind of like Bloody Mary where I don't understand why you would play because it seems like there's no reward. And even if you succeed, you die. So it's like, why, why would you want to play? Yeah, not going to play that game. I'm good. I'll stay right here. Um, There's a movie. The same. (laughs) I know, right? I'm already a little bit freaked out by elevators, though, just because, I mean, I love Tower of Terror, but also, like, the building I said that I, like, usually work in, there's so many elevators, and they've been doing all of this, uh, like, updating everything and all this construction, and, like, you'll get in an elevator, and it'll just, like, stop on a random floor for no reason, or, like, it'll, it won't open for, like, an extra 30 seconds, or, like, it's just so scary, because we're on the 18th floor, so, like, if that thing drops, you're like, oh, I'm gonna die. (laughs) But also, I'm not gonna walk my ass up 18 floors. (laughs) True. My ass won't make it. No, absolutely not. (laughs) We had, I had to walk down 18 uh, stories once because uh, we had a fire drill and my legs were sore for days and that was walking down. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I recently watched a movie about this on Amazon Prime. It was called Followed. I've been like really into movies lately that are like kind of social media horror, like like the host, their own webcam or like unfriended like they're not all good but some of them are followed was was pretty it was pretty interesting because it covers fictionalized versions of the lisa lamb case of richard ramirez it like the season of american horror story it was very much it was themed around the cecil hotel and it was like this guy who had he the the care the main character was kind of a dick so i don't like i mean i guess it fits because i think most social most youtubers are kind of like self-involved um but the main guy he he would go like creepy places and cover haunted stories and it was like a horror podcast and he got an offer from basically like a hot topic to sponsor him and his wife his wife was pregnant and so he's like shit i really need the money and so i need the followers and so he wants to do this big stunt which is staying at the cecil um, I don't remember if they actually call it the Cecil or if they give it a different name, but it it go, he plays the elevator game in the sh- in the movie. Um, so I mean, if anybody wants a look at what that might look like, you can watch that because I will never be doing that for you because I believe in it enough to not want to fuck with it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that with you. So okay, so the night. Of the footage that, like, you can see in the footage, she's um, Lisa's wearing a red zippered hooded sweatshirt over a gray t-shirt. She's wearing black shorts and sandals. Some people think that that in itself was suspect because they were like, she's this, like, fashionista. She's on this trip where she's, like, taking pictures to post to her blog. Why is she wearing, like, men's basketball shorts? 
But again, no one at the hotel ever saw her with anyone else. So there's no trail to follow on that. Like, and also, I mean, if she was going, maybe she was just like going to bed. I don't wear cute shit to bed, even when I'm traveling. (laughs) And if you're just like running out to like get a snack or the vending machine at a hotel or something, you're not about to throw your regular clothes back on. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that I feel like, you know, whatever, take it with a grain of salt. Other theories derived from the video, some people were saying that she was moving around to try to get the elevator to go because she was trying to run away from someone. And so she like, but that doesn't really make sense because she hit every button like that would stall the elevator. I don't know. And some said that the way she was moving, maybe she had taken ecstasy, but that was ruled out with the toxicology report. Interesting. Okay. Now the timestamp was obscured from the video and it seemed like certain parts had been slowed down. Some say that nearly a minute of footage had been removed. Now this could have been to conceal evidence. If the police did think there was foul play, a lot of times in cases they will keep certain details so that if someone mentions them, they know they had to be involved. So that's not really that crazy. Also, they said, what if someone happened to walk into the footage because this was just a, the main elevator? Um, and if they have nothing to do with the case, you're not going to want to put their face out there because everyone's going to immediately think like, oh, maybe it was them. So there are reasons. So again, it's like maybe it's sketchy, but maybe it's not. Okay, now prepare yourself. Okay. Two weeks after the police published the video – a maintenance worker named Santiago Lopez found Elisa Lamb's dead body floating in one of the hotel water tanks. Oh, yeah. This was the, the water tank on top on the roof of the hotel. She was found February 19th. And now the tank that she was found in was the same water tank that provided water to guest rooms, to a kitchen and to a coffee Ooh. shop. Yeah, because Lopez (laughs) made the discovery because he was responding to complaints from hotel patrons about low water pressure and a weird taste coming from the tap water. Oh, my God. That part kills me. Imagine if you had drank water that had a dead body. Oh, I can't. No, that part really gets me. It's just so unfortunate. The water was also said to be black. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. clearly there was something not going right with this water. So, they finally, after weeks, they get the complaint. They check. Elisa was 5'4", which is the same height I am. The chief of the LAPD said that the water tank on top of the hotel had to be completely drained, thank God, and then cut open from the side just so they could remove her body. Now, the most infuriating thing about this is no one knows how or why she was in the tank. Her clothes, the ones that she was wearing in the video, were found next to her in the water, floating in the water tank. And many people think maybe this was part of some psychotic break, but also if she did somehow find herself in the tank and if she was lucid enough to want to be, you know, for her survival instincts to kick in, it would make sense for her to take off her clothes because now heavy from the water, it would be easier. I would think to kind of swim or float without them. True. true. But they also the 
Uh, coroner's report also said that the clothing was covered in a sand-like particulate. I don't really know what to make of that. And her watch and room key were also found in the tank, but her phone was not found in her room or on her, which is also kind of weird and maybe suspect, but then also she was in a dangerous area. If it was a psychotic break, she probably would not have been very cognizant of if she dropped her phone. Many people think that it might have just been stolen sometime before her death. There's just too many loose ends for the phone. Yeah. There's no kind of, you know, it it doesn't point to anything like, oh, it had to have been a murder because her phone's missing. Like, there's, yeah, there's just too much to be able to really speculate. Hotel staff said Elisa was always seen around the hotel by herself. Oh, I already mentioned the basketball shorts. Um, Oh, have you ever been to the last bookstore? Yeah. Okay, yeah. The last bookstore is great. It's this really cool... Um, actually, I don't remember what I was watching, but I watched some like new horror movie the other night and one of the stories took place there and I recognized it because of there's like an arch made out of books and then there's like, um, a cute little photo op where it's like a circle and you can like stand in the middle of it. And then they have their like true crime and like, uh, you know, murder books are in like a vault. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Yeah. The whole place is just really, really cool. Yeah, but it it, it took on kind of a creepy uh, presence, at least just in the context of this story, because it's called The Last Bookstore, and the owner, Katie Orphan, was perhaps one of the last people to see Elisa alive. Oh. Yeah, she was buying books and music for her family back in Vancouver, so Katie said it seemed like she had every intention of returning home. Hmm. The autopsy uh, results revealed that a mixture of pills had been consumed, but uh, Elisa was being treated for bipolar disorder, so none of the drugs were suspect. It makes sense that she would have taken those. There were no indications of alcohol or any illegal drugs in her body, which some people were like, maybe she was, yeah, maybe she was on drugs, but she was, but the one she was supposed to be on. She played the elevator game and it went terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, the cor- the coroner's office ruled uh, Elisa's death as an accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. But many people just found, you know, reasons to speculate even more from the autopsy. Although I did find this one entry from a redditor, username Hammy underscore Sammy. <laughs> um, I love it. And they actually wrote out like a very well thought out, well researched explanation of what they think happened to Elisa. Now, this is the very scientific guess. This this isn't confirmed by any means, but this person said, I think the case was resolved. Uh, she doesn't give any credence to the spooky mystery. I don't know how I feel about it. There's too many weird pieces, but I'm going to tell you the explanation in a second. And I it, it really makes sense. But basically, the main point here is that Elisa may not have been taking her bipolar medication properly because the autopsy shows that Elisa took at least one antidepressant that day. She had taken her second antidepressant and mood stabilizer recently, but not that day. And she had not taken her antipsychotic recently. Hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, she has bipolar disorder. She had the whatever i'm getting lost in my notes but um 
Yeah. And based on the prescription list that, you know, Elisa had been taking a statement from her family, like the bipolar disorder was confirmed. And apparently it is really unsafe to be taking your antidepressant without the antipsychotic or the mood stabilizer. And with bipolar disorder, it involves the cycling of manic and depressive moods. So a severe manic episode can include hallucinations, delusions, paranoia, catatonia, and a lack of insight. And a quick note here, I am by no means an expert on bipolar disorder. This is a cursory glance just from this Reddit post and other notes. I'm not, I don't actually know what happened. This is the most logical, but that doesn't involve any kind of condemnation of bipolar disorder. This was a tragic accident or whatever it was, it was tragic. But I just, I think this is worth bringing up because it does explain a lot of things. But I will say that her family said that she never had a history of suicidal ideation or attempts. One report claimed she had previously gone missing for a brief period, but I don't have any more details on that. And it's also like, when did it happen? Was she a teenager? That might not be a manic episode. It could just be her being a teenager. And I also want to make clear that like, this is not any kind of, you know, bad mouthing of bipolar disorder. Like I think mental health is so important and we just don't understand enough about it because we don't talk about it enough. And you can definitely have a great life living with bipolar disorder, but I will discuss this theory because like I said, it does make sense. So for example, if you look at her curious movements and hand gestures from the elevator footage, you know, if you are of the spooky persuasion like me, you want to think maybe she played the elevator game. Um, Like we discussed earlier, this is just another theory. Um, So the Redditor says that the video is actually the first real observable suggestion that she was suffering from a manic episode because of something called psychomotor agitation, which is a symptom of mania. Okay. And, And psychomotor agitation is a series of unintentional and purposeless motions that stem from mental tension and anxiety of an individual. This includes pacing around a room, wringing one's hands, uncontrolled tongue movement, and other similar actions. So that kind of makes the video make a little bit more sense, at least in that context. Again, this isn't confirmation that a manic episode is what was happening, but it tracks. It makes sense. And that combined with the fact that Elisa hadn't been taking all of her meds makes for a compelling argument. And again, this Redditor says it's really dangerous to take the antidepressants without the antipsychotics or the mood stabilizers if you are bipolar because it tends to bring on the mania. And I don't have bipolar disorder, but I do have anxiety and deal with depression and I take Lexapro and it's a small dose of Lexapro. But if I don't take it for a day, like I'll get maybe headaches. I might feel nauseated. I, you know, if I have like some kind of emotional outburst or if I like I might notice myself like picking a fight with someone or making something really over like something I normally would have been like oh whatever I might get really dramatic about and then I'm like huh have I taken my meds today so I mean not taking your like if you're if you're supposed to take three pills every day if you just take one of them like I imagine that would really fuck with you yeah absolutely 
Also, the toxicology report doesn't really support a theory that anyone was trying to hurt or take advantage of Elisa because, as I said, there were no drugs or, you know, alcohol in her system that shouldn't have been there. So it's not like they couldn't – they didn't really see any kind of foul play in that way. And also another kind of issue with this whole situation is many people wonder, how did she get into the tank? How did she close the heavy lid? Well, exactly. But this report also says that that itself could be a symptom of a manic episode. So according to the National Institute of Mental Health, a couple of the primary symptoms of mania include physical restlessness, strong desire to increase activity, and unrealistic belief in your abilities. And so the they note that Elisa would have had access to the water tank from the fire escape. And this was this was also contested. Like some people say, oh, the hotel door is locked and alarmed, so she would have needed help to get onto the roof. So that proves someone else was involved. But then tourists from, I think, China, they have gone to the hotel since and noted that the roof is also accessible by the fire escape. And if you go out the fire escape, you bypass the locked door and the alarm system completely. So it's actually really possible that she got up there all by herself. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she got out there herself, but I also wouldn't be surprised if there was like some supernatural force telling her what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly, I mean, again, it's like very shining vibes. Like, is the Cecil just this kind of like really dark place? And if, because the thing about the shining was if you, I think in the movie as well, but in the book, Jack immediately starts seeing shit, but he also is in a very fragile headspace. He's a recovering addict. He has been fired from his job. He left in disgrace. His wife doesn't trust him as much because he accidentally, when he grabbed Danny drunk one night, popped the, you know, arm out of the shoulder out of its socket. So he immediately sees things. Danny immediately sees things, but that's because he has the shining. It isn't until like the end of the movie that Shelley's character starts seeing things. And so how they kind of explain that in the book is like it's eventually it would get to everyone, but you're it's going to get to you more if you are. It's the same thing with, you know, a lot of times they say hauntings happen like, look at all the horror movies about hauntings. It's usually around a teenage girl. And that's because when you're a teen or a preteen, there's so much angst. And these kind of, you know, entities, if they exist, they feast on that. You know, that kind of is like the blood in the water for a shark kind of thing. But okay, back to regarding how she got into the tank. The Redditor explained that she seemed to be showing symptoms of mania, like impulsiveness, I was going to say impulsivity, impulsiveness, sense of heightened abilities, hallucinations. And if she had been seeing hallucinations, maybe that's why she was led to the roof to climb into the tank and shut the lid. And it's kind of like, like I was just watching the episode of The Office where there, uh, Michael does push-ups and then he's like, if you guys can beat me, you can go home for the day. And so Stanley is like killing himself doing all those push-ups. And Oscar just kind of looks at the camera and he's like, I think what we have is a situation where like a mother is like trying to save her kids. And so she has this crazy strength. And you have like people sometimes have that in mania. Like it's not like 
you're going to act exactly how you would react normally because you're not, your mind isn't lucid at that stage. So you might be able to open a crazy heavy lid that normally you would struggle with. Yeah. I just feel like there's so many theories as to what could have happened to her, especially because it was at this freaking hotel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that's like, it's that's why people love talking about it because like is there a logical conclusion i mean that was pretty much the closest we can get to one but nothing is confirmed i mean it's only it's only considered an accidental drowning i mean yeah was there someone else did someone take her phone was it just this kind of i mean look at someone like ramirez who stayed in that hotel if if you're a killer who you know has different MOs and doesn't leave a signature, like sometimes it can be hard to even know that there was someone there. And especially, I don't know for sure because I haven't gone super research into the like police files or what even I would be allowed to see. But I would venture to guess that if people knew that she was, that she had bipolar disorder, which they would have because they would have found her meds and her things in her room. I would imagine they would quickly want to write off, you know, I've just been watching a lot of true crime or documentaries or movies based on it. And like, I don't want to condemn every detective because I don't know. But a lot of times it seems like they are very happy to take the easiest solution. You know, like I just watched um, the White House Farm murders. They did a TV show. It's not a documentary. It's like a reenactment, basically. Okay. It was really well done. But it's a devastating case. And the guy who did it almost got away with it because his sister had mental health issues. And so even though a lot of the clues didn't fit, like it didn't fit that she shot herself with a shotgun twice. Like how was she still alive to do that? They were they were happy to believe that it was a murder-suicide because it was just easy and they could just wrap it up and then case closed. Okay. Yeah. Because it was a big case and everybody wanted it solved. That happens a lot, especially with big cases, especially if kids are involved. They just want it – people want someone to blame. They want it to be closed. They don't want to have to worry about being unsafe wherever they are. And so it is – in my opinion, it is possible that they saw that she had mental health issues and then we, they were just like, oh, well, she obviously had a you know break. Yeah, well, especially at this hotel too, you know, if they didn't want to have to like – Yeah, if they didn't want anything else, anything else besmirching the name. And that's another thing. I mean, there are certainly countries where they don't report all of their murders because they don't want to affect tourism. So, like, that's definitely a thing of covering up crimes to not make a situation worse. Again, maybe that's a big leap because a lot of the pieces do fit with having a mental break, which is just devastating because, as I said, like, we don't talk about mental health enough, which is not to say we don't, but as a country, it's not something we care about. We don't consider it the same as physical illness, which is just completely wrong, especially as someone who's been dealing with a lot of physical maladies directly related to stress during quarantine. Um, So, like, yeah, I mean, I would love to believe – I would prefer, I think, that it was some crazy – you know, conspiracy murder case or, you know, some crazy supernatural thing to give you the chills than, you know, just this horrible time for this, you know, poor girl who was by herself. But either way, it's still, 
it is what it is. It's really sad. She was 21. Such a baby. Yeah. So her family filed a wrongful death suit against the hotel, claiming it had failed to inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to Lamb and other hotel guests. They were seeking unspecified damages and bur- bur- wow. burial burial costs. Why can't I say that word right now? Burial costs. Burial Oof. costs. <laughs> I feel like very yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you say something enough, it just doesn't sound like it's right anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like when you spell uh, the word. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially if it has like a couple letters, like if it's like mood, you're like, M O O. Is that right? Whatever. Anyway, the hotel argued that since it remained unknown how she had gotten into the water tanks, no liability could be assigned for failing to prevent it. And the suit was dismissed in 2015. Oh, geez, please. Yeah. Uh, there's a 2005 horror film that gets brought up a lot, uh, with her case because it involves a mother and her daughter and they move into this kind of old, I don't know if it's a hotel or apartments or whatever, but there's, you know, dirty water, there's an elevator, they find a body in a water tank, but all of this was to this 2005, that was, this happened in 2013, so it's eerie, the similarities, but I don't really see how it could be related. Um, it was, And it was also based on a Japanese film from 1996. So, like, I think that was just, like, I don't know, just awkward yeah. coincidence. When you keep seeing the water tanks, it reminds me, and this is a slight tangent, so feel free to... <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't want to ruin this for anyone if they haven't seen it, but I might have been a, the only person living under a rock. Um, on Netflix, they just came out with that, um, like, it's. I think it's like an American murder series. Oh, yep. Chris Watts. Chris Watts, that fucking monster. Oh, my gosh. I watched that with my sister the other night, and I hadn't known about the case, or maybe I did and then just blocked it out of my memory. I don't know. But, you know, you follow the whole case and in the end you find out where the daughters are. And I still can't get over that. No, it's – I mean, it's really fucked up. For those who don't know, and I'll probably do an episode on this at some point, but it's like – I just watched the documentary. So it would just be me like yelling the whole time because he's (laughs) really like – men are garbage. Like honestly, men are garbage. This man, his wife was like basically supporting them. She had all these – businesses she did like all these different like like pampered chef and different businesses like that she had they had two beautiful daughters and were pregnant and he just you know typical story he he lost he got a little he got fit more fit than he had been before he met this young hot woman they start dating he tells her he's separated from his wife I don't know if he even mentions the kids and he kind of just instead of divorcing her, he thought it would be easier, I guess, because she didn't want kids to just kill his whole fucking family. The worst part of it for me, aside from the fact that his daughters were in the car with their murdered mother. Yes, she's laying on the floor. Yeah. And then the kids are just there like, what's wrong with Bonnie? And he's like, oh, she's just sleeping like. 
Yeah, this monster had his kids sit in a van with the body of their dead mother, not knowing where they were going, took them to his work, and fucking put them in, it was like oil drums? Oil, yeah, he put them in, dropped the two girls in oil tanks. Yeah. Not so really. He couldn't get her in there. Yeah, I think, because they were really young girls. Yeah, they were like three or four, I think. But in the show, it shows um, they kind of have a picture of the size of the oil tank on the top. Yeah, yeah, it shows it. It shows where he buried the mom, where he dropped them. The worst for me, aside from how brutal it was for the kids, is the fact that he tried to frame it on the deceased mother and say that he had to kill her because she killed his daughters. And I love that one female detective or the oh, woman who was running process bitch oh girl. she was amazing because at one point she just looks at him and she just says you're okay with people hearing that about your wife because she fucking knew he was lying and he yeah. he did not falter because that's how much of a piece of shit he is there have been reports michaela since this movie came out where he was like oh yeah it really makes me feel bad bitch i don't care if it makes you oh feel bad God. you killed your whole family netflix can make all the documentaries they want they can exploit it as much as they want and they will never be as bad as you yeah also can we talk about how that boss ass bitch was like goes in there after he takes his polygraph and first of all i'd be petrified to be in there alone with him yep. she knows that yep. he's lying and she's just like cuts him off and she's just like listen don't even you failed it like don't even try to lie right now (laughs) and he's like oh I she's like no no just stop you failed it so don't even try to come up with excuses you freaking failed it (laughs) yeah she was I was yeah I was loving her because she really because they knew I mean I there's so many people knew I mean that scene so early on in the documentary he where they're at his house when he's you know cr- using crocodile tears about how he doesn't know where his kids are and that guy is just like as soon as like chris goes somewhere to show them who knows what and it's the cameraman oh. and this one guy and he looks at the camera and he's just like he's not acting right yeah he fucking nailed it the first day yep and i mean also you know how imagine being the woman, I mean, and obviously there's, you know, so many people to feel bad for in this case, right? The dead family, her parents, you know, her mm-hmm. siblings, but like, imagine being the girlfriend. Like, yeah. I he, mean, he's yeah, trying to use you yeah. as an excuse to kill these children. She's like, I didn't freaking know. Like, yeah. Like imagine being so like sideswiped. That your boyfriend winded up murdering the family that you didn't even like. Because I think she says, I don't know if she knows about the daughters, but I think she says she had no idea that the wife was pregnant. Yes, yes, she does say that. So she's like, I didn't even know that she was pregnant. Yeah, why would she? Because he wouldn't tell her that because that spoils his story. Yeah, I mean, not that she has anything to feel guilty for. I mean, at least like, you know, in the sense of like this murder, but it's just like, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not her fault by any means, but it is just a lot to shoulder because what it because they probably had some casual conversation where she was like, yeah, I don't really want kids. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
Because she's not saying that thinking this asshole is going to murder a bunch of kids. She just means I don't want to have kids. Like, Well, that's the thing. It's like he obviously is messed up where it goes from zero to 60. Like if someone normally says I don't want kids, that doesn't lead to I must murder my kids. Or, oh, I want to leave my wife and divorce her for someone else doesn't lead to I need to murder her and bury her in the ground. Like yep. those things don't coincide. Exactly. But yeah, watch that if you want to get really mad. It's really well done because oh, yeah. she was such a Facebook person. So like she has so much she loved to post about the kids and the family. The only thing I don't like, I saw someone tweet about this and I kind of agree, is well, I don't know. I get why they included it, because it paints a picture of like Shanann knows something is wrong. She thinks he's cheating on her. She knows. Because you know what? Women always fucking know, okay? So she knows something is wrong because this guy, her husband, has not wanted to have sex with her and who knows how long. But I just – it felt – I felt bad for her posthumously even when they were sending all those – showing the texts of her saying how horny she was and he was rejecting her. It felt – I don't know. It just – I felt really bad that those were out because, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's stupid to worry about anything at that point. But I was like, oh, I just that's just devastating that she's over here trying to think of a way to get romantic with her husband and he's thinking about killing her. Yeah. It's, yeah, those texts were, like, heartbreaking. Yeah. And the fact that the kids adored him. Because they were, he was their father. They would, why would they have to be afraid of him? He's supposed to be keeping them safe. I know. Ugh, okay. That was a long tangent. No, it's fine. I mean, yeah. Of the oil tank. Yeah, no, it's. How did the, and obviously, I know water tanks and oil tanks are different, but it's like, how did she get in there? You know? Mm -hmm. No, I totally, yeah. And another reason, uh, I at the beginning I said, you know, some of the reasons why so many people are interested in this. There's also been a ton of pop culture. This one, Michaela, you actually will know because I know you're not a huge horror person, but on how to get away with murder. The first mm-hmm. season was seemingly inspired by this case because throughout the first season, through flashbacks and different revelations, a sorority girl goes missing at the start of the season and it is found out that she is murdered and her body had been hidden in the water tank on the roof of the sorority house. And it even goes so far as to include that her body was only discovered after a maintenance man was brought to the house to address a water pressure issue, and then she was found in the tank. I didn't know that. I was based off of that. I mean, they didn't confirm it, but it's just like, come on. Look at all the similarities. There also was a May 2013 episode. That seems a little soon. Uh, of Castle called Watershed. And in Watershed, the duo pursue leads in the death of a young woman found dead in the rooftop water tank of the Cedric Hotel. Although it takes place in Manhattan, not Los Angeles. But among the evidence is surveillance video of the woman taken in an elevator. And then, of course, American Horror Story Ryan Murphy did not use her name, but he did say that the hotel season was inspired by surveillance video of a young woman who got into an elevator at a downtown hotel and was never seen again. 
obviously the downtown hotel he is talking about is the Cecil and the young woman is Elisa Lamb. Oh, poor girl. I know. There have been many songs written about the case, movies, people made movies in Vancouver, people made movies in China. There's lots of inspirations. The only other one I included was there in 2019, the studio ACKK. I don't know if you call it that or if you call it ACK. I don't know. Mm -hmm. They created the video game. Again, I don't know if that's Y11K or if it's Yik, I don't know, but it's a postmodern RPG. Um, I don't really know anything about video games, so sorry if I totally butchered that name. I wouldn't be the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but the studio said that Elisa's death was an inspiration. They said her suffering was influential in the development of this game, which feels a little rough. I love the wording of that. Yes, especially when you find out that in the game, she is depicted as a character known as either Semi Pack or Sammy Park, depending on who you talk to. And she's a throwaway character. She's the love interest for the main character. And it's like the comment ended up getting deleted. It was from a Reddit AMA, but people were so pissed at the exploitation. They're like, you're going to say that you were inspired by this woman's suffering and then you're going to make her a throwaway love interest for the main character? Yeah. Like, that's fucked up. You're going to use her likeness and she's not even the fucking lead in her own story? Yeah, that's really fucked up. Yeah, so I agree with the people who are mad at them. But again, I don't really know anything about video games. But that was the troubling and very sad story of Elisa Lam and the probably very haunted Cecil Hotel. Wow. And I probably left a lot off. They're seriously – like I kid you not when I say like you can go on Reddit and there are just so, so many – there's, you know, uns- posted unsolved mysteries, posted – like there's just so many because people – the elevator video is just like too much for people to handle. It's so weird. It gives you the chills. There seems like there has to be something more involved. But I thought this was a good enough overview, especially since I haven't done anything in months. <laughs> so. There's so much to unpack there, you know, and we could go on for hours, but it's like you said, it's because, I mean, I watched 40 seconds of this video, (laughs) like, what on God's green earth is going on? Like, yeah, it's odd. It is. It's really odd. It's really sad. It's just... And that's why I am that's why I honestly am not usually a big fan of cold cases because it just is so sad to me that there is just no resolution. But this yeah. one I just because of the connection to the Cecil and the creepy elevator gate there's just so much going on here. It hits all the true crime, you know, supernatural. Like it's it's very interesting to talk about, but in the end it is a very sad story about a very young woman who you know was dealing with something and and also just shows you how seriously you need to take your mental health because the mind I am constantly impressed and amazed by it, but also it's kind of terrifying because you know, I mean, look at serial killers in general. Like so many of them have a have issues in their like frontal you know I'm not going to try to name a part of the brain right now but there's a certain head injury that if you trace you know a lot of a lot of some of the deadliest killers 
were, you know, oh, yeah, he bumped his head on a swing at this age or, oh, yeah, he fell or his cousin hit it. Like, so it like it really shows that you can just like manipulate the brain a little bit. And I mean, you can do things that you were you never expected. So whatever people say or whatever judgments there are, just take care of yourself. I mean, like I said, I took a break from the podcast for a while because it was just too much. So listen to yourself. If you feel really run down, then take a break. Get some sleep. Like your body tells you what you need. It's just you have to listen to it. Amen. <laughs> yeah, but thank you for joining me. Um, of course. Happy to be back on again. Yes, it's it's fun. I was, I mean, I we 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 fully forgot we were going to record one day and I'm just it's just so, so easy to put things off these days because like time is an illusion nothing matters anymore but it does feel it I was excited like typing up my notes and I was like this is fun I haven't done this in so long yeah you got to have like even though things are like you know crazy and you know obviously not what they used to be a year ago <laughs> still have to have little things that you know, happen or just things to look forward to to kind of help you get through. Yeah, either, yeah, things to look forward to or, yeah, just little things to keep, I don't know, to normalize things, like to keep you keep your normal life going. Like I have – I work from home now like most people do, but I have this little setup in my kind of like – foyer, dining room kind of area. It's just a table with my computers and a monitor, but it's just like I can work during the day and then at the end of the day I can like go sit on the couch, you know? So like having yeah. a separate space. So just like whatever little things you have to do. Yeah. I'm going to have to discover discover that for myself uh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I think that's pretty much it. I don't even remember how I end these things anymore. It's been so long. Later, Later buds. buds. <laughs> <laughs>